How and when companies respond to the need to recall dangerous products can prevent or even cause a crisis. I'm Edward Siegel, author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. I'm also a Leadership Strategy Senior Contributor for Forbes.com. I'm joined today by Chris Harvey, Senior Vice President of Client Services at Sedgwick. He's a product safety expert who's managed over 1,500 product recall campaigns for different national brands. In this episode, we'll discuss how federal agencies are doing overseeing the recall of products and the best practices companies should follow when there are hazards associated with what they make. Welcome to Crisis Ahead, Chris. I'm glad you could join me today. Thank you, Edward. Happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about Cedric and what it does. So Cedric as a whole is a global provider of tech-enabled risk, benefits, and integrated solutions. The specific group I work with is our brand protection group, and we specialize in remediating unplanned business interruptions. Uh, and these interruptions, most specifically, uh, are product recalls most of the time that we remediate. Uh, we have around 30 years of experience of working with companies to prepare them for recalls, and then actually helping them execute the recalls. So logistics around notifying the marketplace, to collecting the product, to uh, remedying customers that are affected by the recall. So somewhat of a niche specialized type solution where we work behind the scenes or under our clients' brands to help them navigate a product safety type issue. How can product recalls create a crisis for companies and even government agencies? Yeah, product recalls can be somewhat common, but depending on the hazard, they can be a crisis. They can be damaging. So uh, within a product recall, especially if it is mishandled, there can be a lot of risks. So loss of customers, uh, there can be unnecessary financial type expenses, there can be regulatory scrutiny, but the number one risk for companies is really their brand and their reputation and the damage that can come from that. And companies have really worked very hard to build that brand loyalty, build that trust. So it's, it can be very fragile, but if you introduce a product safety type event where a company's product that they're selling could cause inconvenience to customers, it could cause harm to patients or consumers. Uh, could cause damage to property, then that level of trust can be even more fragile. So you have to be very careful uh, with that. Uh, and you have to understand how to navigate that crisis type uh, situation where it to come. Um, and really, when this product safety issue happens, companies need to own it from the beginning. They need to control the narrative. And if they don't control that narrative from the very beginning, somebody else is going to, the regulator, the media, social media, et cetera. So it's very important. Speed can be very important. And it could be a recalling firm or it could be an agency in itself. And they need to be able to show that they are prioritizing consumer or customer safety out in the marketplace. That's on the top of the list. And that's important. If you don't do that, then it can do a lot of damage. Can you share any recent examples with us, Chris, on how a crisis impacted a company uh, or affected a federal agency? 
Yeah, so a couple examples there. Um, so I won't name a particular manufacturer name, but this is a consumer product company that was having some reports of incidences and injuries in social media. And then it also made its way into the media. The uh, agency that governs consumer products, the CPSC, Consumer Product Safety Commission, did get involved as well. And unfortunately for this company, uh, they took a big hit on their reputation. They took a hit on the value of the company as well, because from an optics standpoint, they were seen as dragging their feet with this situation. They were seen as not working with the government agency as well. So the optics were bad. And in turn, the Consumer Product Safety Commission issued out a press release basically warning the marketplace around this particular product. Um, unfortunately for this company, they learned that lesson a little bit too late and learned it the hard way. The damage was really uh, already done at that point. Another example uh, is, is on infant formula. So last year, there was a very large infant formula recall. Uh, the FDA Food uh, Drug Administration does uh, regulate uh, infant formula. And uh, there was a lot of scrutiny regarding the FDA. And I will say in most recalls, the manufacturer, the recalling firm is the one in the crosshairs, uh, which they were uh, for this particular one. But the FDA did get a lot of scrutiny based on the timing it took to launch the recall, especially after some of the details came out afterwards. So speed is is very critical in most recalls, but if you're dealing with a sensitive product like uh, infant formula, it's even more critical. So the agency did get a lot of questions uh, regarding their handling of it. They did change leadership and they also announced, I do believe it's related to this, but they announced a restructuring. Uh, Commissioner Califf earlier this year around their human food programming uh, program and also the Office of Regulatory Affairs. So we'll see how that plays out a little bit down the road, but that's just a couple examples of companies that really have taken a hit along with the agency on how they handled that product safety event. Do you think it's unusual or standard operating procedure that after a crisis, a company or even a federal agency makes changes to its operations or policies for how it'll handle a future crisis? Yeah, I think it, it, it depends on how the crisis went. It should be common for a company to take a look at the, the lessons learned, the opportunities for improvements, and make those adjustments internally. That could mean at times restructuring, reformatting some of their crisis planning. And then from a government agency, typically something, you know, something had to have gone wrong or not in the manner in which it really should have, that they're doing a lot of restructuring. Uh, with that being said, though, you know the spotlight on the an agency's focus can quickly shift if there was some type of mishandling or something's getting a lot of attention from the media. You can see those changes pretty common. I know Cedric has a product recall index. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, good question. So this index is something that we very, are very proud of, that we do put out. Uh, we do publish this index report on a quarterly basis. And the report basically aggregates recall data and trends across multiple government agencies that regulate recall. So in the U.S., we look at data from the Food Drug Administration, FDA, who regulate medical uh, devices, pharmaceuticals, a good portion of uh, food products. Uh, the USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture, who does other food products, meats, poultries, 
the Consumer Product Safety Commission, or CPSC, uh, consumer products like appliances, toys, electronics, and then NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, who governs automotive type products as well. So we take a look at all of the data associated from these agencies and uh, look at what's happening out there. What are some things that companies need to pay attention to? We also look at other trends not directly related to recall that could potentially impact them down the, impact them down the road. And then we get insights from some of our industry partners on what they see is happening today, but also could be happening in the uh, future. When and why did Cedric launch the index in the first place? Yeah, we've uh, we've been looking at the data uh, that goes back 15, 20 years, but the actual index report we've been putting out for over a decade now. With that being said, it, it has evolved throughout the years. We're always looking for opportunities to improve it, to modify it, um, opportunities to spread awareness and just the general value add of it. So over the last few years, we've absolutely um, modified it and changed it. Uh, that invites a larger population. Um, and wh what I always say for companies, it's, it's very important for them to be prepared, but understand what their most likely recall scenarios are. So they can look at this data that we consolidate for them and see our products that they're selling, are their competition having recalls on that same product? What are the issues? What are the hazards? What's the root cause? And then how is that recall being executed? What's the corrective action there? So there's a lot of lessons that can be learned by the data that's out there that companies then can utilize to hopefully put steps in place to prevent these potential crises and hazards in the future. What lessons or trends have you seen lately concerning product recalls and anything stands out in your most recent quarterly report? I mean, the big thing right now is things are increasing, things are heating up. So when we looked at last year's numbers, the big story was the total units that were recalled, which was over 1.48 billion total units in, uh, in the US. So very large, we did see a spike in the average size of recalls, but a lot of it too had to do with some very large multi-million unit recalls that uh, increased some of the numbers. And that type of recall can definitely be very impactful on a company. Now, when we look at 2023 so far, Q1, uh, had an increase in the actual number of recalls that were announced. So uh, there was 863 recalls across all of the uh, five industries that we collect data on. And that's the highest single quarter that we've seen in a four-year time frame. So, you know, to me, um, every sector is seeing an increase. I think USDA was flat for the quarter. Uh, but all the other sectors and industries saw an increase. So for me, that really tells me that, you know, we're coming out of the, you know, the pandemic and we're seeing a lot of the pre-pandemic numbers in enforcement that we saw before 2020. Uh, with that being said, too, I think we're starting to see some catch up on some of the lessons learned throughout the last couple of years. And we're seeing uh, the agencies push through different guidelines uh, mod, uh, modernizing different things as well. Um, and I think it's only going to increase the number of recalls. So an example would be that it would be uh, MOCRA, which is Modernization of Cosmetic Regulatory Act, which puts uh, stricter requirements on cosmetic companies that kind of resembles a little bit more 
uh, FDA um, over-the-counter type products that uh, have more enforcement around good manufacturing practices, adverse event reporting, labeling, et cetera. So I think we're going to continue to see some of that. Um, we have seen the use of these remote regulatory assessments uh, used quite a bit during the pandemic. They're still utilizing that, but we're also seeing more on-site inspections, especially around foreign inspections that the FDA has announced can be more um, unannounced inspections to some of those foreign uh, supplier or manufacturers where we have seen issues in the past. So I do think a lot of this could lead to more product recalls uh, in the future. So it's not one particular thing that's uh, accounting for the increase. It's a combination of perhaps more regulations, more scrutiny, and maybe more things going wrong with more products. Is that right? Yeah, I, th I think so. It, it's more regulatory enforcement, uh, more enforcement on some standards that could drive some non-compliance. Uh, it could be more testing. So on the consumer product safety side, you're not just testing on the front end when a new product's imported. You could be testing throughout, which really makes it necessary for companies to have good supplier verification and do routine testing themselves to make sure that that product is represented in the same fashion it was originally approved in as well. And then just on the FDA side, utilizing different mechanisms also that uh, could identify issues, uh, identify them faster, which could lead to recalls, maybe not as large recalls, which is a good thing, but it could lead to more recalls. So it is a number of different factors right now, but the level of enforcement I think is definitely key there. Do you think product recalls today are different from product recalls from 10 or even five years ago? Yeah, absolutely. When I remember back five, 10 years ago, I, th I think the key right now, especially on the front end, is different policies uh, of uh, prevention and identification, but technology, the use of technology. And I think in some cases it has prevented some recalls. When I look at the food industry, uh, around the Food Safety Modernization Act, and that was put in place over a decade ago. And a lot of that was heavy into prevention. Um, and what we've seen, I think, for some of the testing uh, and some of the policies that have been put in place is companies are able to, to put a tighter fence around the affected population. So perhaps they're able to identify some of these issues like bacterial contamination earlier on in the process before all the product is distributed and down in the supply chain and even consumed. So they can put that fence around the population, may still be a, re a recall, maybe a stock recovery where the product hasn't been fully distributed out into the marketplace. But I do think you know we are seeing the use of technology, uh, hopefully improve the execution of recalls, but also reduce the overall impact of them as well. Now, when you look at from a communication standpoint, Social media is utilized quite a bit. Uh, that can be good and bad. Um, you know, social media, there's a lot out there, so that it can be a distraction. So it's important for recalling firms to, to be able to communicate effectively to get through some of that noise and get the attention of consumers and patients. Um, but again, when I look back 10 years, most of the regulations and expectations centered around sending a physical notification out as the primary tool to alert the marketplace. Now companies are adapting their communication to the audience. So if, if the audience prefers to get communication electronically, so through a website, through an email, if they prefer to respond electronically, 
companies are making that available to them, which can only help drive more response rates and make it easier to improve recall effectiveness. The other thing we're seeing is instead of always having to do repairs out in the field, sometimes you can do software updates to correct, uh, to correct the issue as well over the air. I think that's going to increase potential recall effectiveness as well. Now, I will say all the technology is good, but sometimes from my experience too, you see the more complicated or, or technical a product becomes, the more issues can, can occur from that as well, the more opportunities for issues. So an example of that would be um, electronics. So many of the electronics we have today contain a lithium ion battery. Um, if that battery were to have an issue, so it would be labeled as damaged or defective, it then essentially turns into a dangerous good and it, be, and it can become very complicated to recall um, and to transport. There's strict requirements on how you do that. So I think technology is mostly good, but there are some you know, vulnerabilities out there that I think companies have to be cautious on and understand how did this change the complexity of executing a recall? The last point on that question, uh, Edward, secondary markets. So go, you go back 10 years ago, you didn't see these as much. And what I mean by secondary markets are where consumers can now sell their used products online. So companies can undergo a pretty successful recall, but then you, you run into a, uh, a consumer and it's illegal to sell recall products, but you know, most of the time consumers who are selling these products, whether it's a garage sale or online, uh, they are unaware it's recall. So, you know, a company undergoes a very good recall, but then three, four years later, an injury pops up, a death pops up. And unfortunately, it drags that brand back into the news. And that's because it was sold um, on the secondary market. So that's where companies have to do this extra effort as well to monitor that work with these online uh, e-tailers and resellers to try and identify recall product and pull it. It, it. it does make it a bit more complicated for brands. Is there one place that consumers can go to look for uh, any product recalls that might affect what they have? Yeah, there, there's some websites. So for example, the Consumer Product Safety Commission does have a, a useful website where they can look and identify what's recalled. Um, so in most cases, what's being resold is a consumer product. So I would recommend consumers before they do that, you know, they just do a quick search. It's pretty easy to, to find uh, a product through the CPSC website and identify if it's recalled or, or not. Um, so I, I, I would recommend that it is useful. Some of the other agencies' websites, they use enforcement reports or other mechanisms that can be a little bit more difficult. Um, on the automotive side, you can look up by VIN number to see if that uh, vehicle has been recalled. So that's somewhat useful as well. But on the consumer side where it's more likely to be resold, definitely look at the uh, CPSC website. Well, looking down the road, what product recall trends do you see uh, happening in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, I think, again, it's all about technology. It's all about innovation. So for an example, if you look at electric vehicles, which I think will continue to be more and more popular, uh, you know, right today, we're seeing a shift in the hazard from being typically mechanical for an automotive uh, vehicle to electrical. And I think we'll continue to see that. Now, uh, the nice thing, though, with electric vehicles 
is a lot of times with an issue, you can do the software issue, software updates, which I alluded to earlier, where you can actually just push out the correction, uh, which can save on time. It can increase the response levels as well. And for companies, it can reduce the costs of having to do the physical logistics. You can also send notifications directly to vehicles as well. So I think that's going to be an improvement. Now, again, with that, the more connected devices are, so the more connected vehicles are, uh, you also see medical devices, sometimes implantables, that can be connected to your cell phone so you can monitor things, or consumer products that you can uh, turn on and move and manage through uh, a connected device as well. So with all of that, you're going to continue to see vulnerabilities uh, over the next you know, five, 10 years and more. So companies need to be able to identify that because those will lead to recalls. Incidences may not have actually had to happen, but the vulnerabilities, the opportunities may lead to some of those uh, recalls, whether it's someone hacking in to steal personal information, someone maliciously trying to tamper with an implanted device or a consumer product or an automobile where they can take control of it and maliciously try to harm a consumer, to extortion where they hack into um, hack into a device and ask for money. Otherwise, they're, they're going to keep it offline. So I think that's going to be a big thing that we see as you know, technology develops as well. I do think on a positive side, we will see more tracking and traceability of recall products. One of the best drivers for recall effectiveness and response is directly notifying the affected population. So the, the better companies can track where the product ended up, who has it as a consumer, how they make that easier to be able to track, easier on consumers to register, I think is only going to help in the notification process as well over the next several years. What kind of a job do you think government agencies are doing and requiring and overseeing these recalls? Yeah, when I look at the agencies, so again, FDA, USDA, CPSC, NHTSA, I think most are doing a decent job given their resources and given their budget. Um, a lot of times, most have to balance their current priorities and their current expectations, which is typically set by the administration and can often change. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes that spotlight changes quickly because something that popped up in the media or scrutiny or agenda. Um, so I think for you know most companies, from my perspective, I think the agencies are doing a good job in, in many areas, but they do have a lot of opportunities as well. And, and one of those is I'd love to see the agencies collaborate more and talk more about what's working for them uh, and share you know, different efficiencies to try and drive response rates, uh, to try and drive more recall effectiveness. Because you do see across the industry uh, agencies and within the agencies inconsistencies. So I think looking at that is going to help uh, the other thing is a lot of the regulations that you know are followed need to, to be made more modern, um, looking at the technology as well and changing some of the expectations that companies uh, and what they are required to do or need to do that needs to just be made more modern across the board as well, in my opinion. Are there any standouts in a good sense among the federal agencies for how they're handling product recalls? 
Um, I would say right now the Consumer Product Safety Commission stands out for me. Um, they actually have one of the smallest budgets compared to their sister agencies as well. And they regulate over 15,000 different types of products. So small budget, but I think they do a pretty good job. Right now, uh, they are utilizing a lot of the weapons within their enforcement uh, toolkit. Um, so some of the rulemaking has become more aggressive. Some of the things that have been hanging out for a while as far as the rulemaking uh, has been pushed through in the last year as well to try and continue to drive safety. Uh, unilateral press releases. So I mentioned one of those earlier, but that's if a company is dragging their feet, uh, not pushing to a recall. The agency is issuing more of these unilateral press releases, basically saying to the market, stop using this product, stop selling this product, which is not good for the, the manufacturer. In, in turn, it's worse for them. So they do need to work with the, with the regulator from that standpoint. The agency is utilizing more civil penalties or financial penalties, mostly related to timing around reporting, uh, in some cases, continuing to sell recall product. And then they have been vocal about uh, expectations on actually executing recalls. So instead of just sending, again, that one physical notification, they are changing expectations to do more multimodal communications, multiple rounds of communications to get the attention of consumers, utilizing different methods as well, not just one or two, customizing it to the audience. So I think that's really going to help drive more uh, recall effectiveness as well. Um, we could see more recalls based on some of uh, the enforcement with the agency, but I think how the recalls are executed hopefully will improve recall effectiveness. So kudos to the CPSC for, um, for some of that that they're doing. Well, taking a closer look in the private sector, are there companies that you think are doing a better job with recall than others? And why is that the case? Um, so, the, you know, the, the, the pharmaceutical and medical device sector, they, they kind of have a good understanding based on the fact that they have a very high regulatory uh, very high regulatory requirements uh, for those industries. So I think they do a pretty good job because they understand that having recalls or product safety issues, violations, they can be a part of business. So from my perspective, those companies just are better prepared in general. Um, and a lot of times those companies, maybe they've been bitten before by a recall or they have colleagues that worked for other companies that have now joined their company that have the experience and have been bitten. So they, they understand what can happen if recalls are, are mishandled. It's really those companies that you know, haven't had that experience yet that I tend to see are a bit underprepared for the recall. And those are the ones that tend to get themselves into trouble. Should companies that make or sell products account for product recalls or the possibility of those recalls in their crisis management and crisis communications plan? And if so, how should they do it? Yeah, first off, absolutely. Companies need to account for recalls within their crisis communication plan, their crisis management plan. In a lot of cases, it could be a separate uh, recall plan as well. Um, and my advice for this is, is don't, don't put together something that's generic. Don't generically plan for a recall. Companies need to really customize their plan based on the model they operate in, 
the current environment they're in and their product line. If that product line or environment changes, they need to revisit the plan and, and customize it based on what accounted for those changes. A lot of times you could add complexities that are un, uh, not planned for that need to be accounted for. And this, this recall plan is essentially, it's their, their crisis playbook and what they need to do. It, it, just, it just makes sense that they have something that can walk them through this. And you know, it, it's important that they're not just taking the plan and putting it up on a shelf where it'll have you know, gain dust. Uh, it needs to be taken down. The team needs to be trained in how to actually execute a recall properly. And then they need to test the plan as well, which is I recommend doing mock recalls and other simulations to just make sure the team's familiar with the plan. It's not a hair on fire type drill every time a recall hits. They're already familiar with what needs to happen. They've identified gaps and deficiencies already. So that's absolutely critical. Uh, to write into your crisis plans. Well, even though they may not make or even sell any products, what crisis management best practices can business leaders learn from how well or sometimes how poorly other companies are recalling products? Yeah, I, I think, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, when a product safety issue happens or some other crisis situation like a data breach, um, they need to own it from the beginning. Speed is gonna be absolutely critical. As I mentioned before, they need to control that narrative. And if they drag their feet, that's where issues are going to occur. So I always say it's important to learn from the mistakes of others, but speed, transparency, and empathy are critical. You know, If you're seen as dragging your feet, you're not seen as prioritizing safety. If you're seen as not being transparent or not telling the truth, hiding something, not giving all the facts, Again, that's just going to do damage uh, to your reputation. And then empathy and compassion, you know, own it. If you have a product safety issue out there, especially one that could cause harm to patients or consumers, you need to show empathy, compassion. Um, I always dislike when I hear companies say, we're only doing this recall because the agency's making us do it. That really sets a bad picture out in the marketplace of how that company is prioritizing safety for them. Um, so I, I think it's, for me too, it's, it's not about being known for having a recall. It's part of doing business. They happen. It's more about how you're known for handling the recall, handling the crisis event that's going to be long lasting. I've seen many times, yes, stock price could get dinged with a recall, but it bounces back quickly. I've seen many times where a company took responsibility and showed the marketplace that they're doing the responsible thing, they're prioritizing safety, and customer loyalty has increased. Sales have increased. So I think these are notes that companies can use and apply outside of recalls as well. I'm afraid we're almost out of time today for this episode, Chris. But before we go, uh, what's the most important thing you want people to remember from our conversation? Yeah, I think the, the main thing is we always say it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when an issue is going to occur. And that's where companies need to realize that. They need to pay attention to it and they need to plan properly. Um, you know, Don't just create a plan and put it on the shelf, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and hope and cross your fingers, nothing is going to happen. In my mind, it's really like a fire drill. You know, companies have a policy in, pro in, in place and they test that policy, they test that plan through fire drills. That's just as important for recalls. Have a plan in place, re-examine the plan, test the plan, hope you never have to do it, 
but I think you know it's only a matter of time before it does happen. We're in an environment with supply chain shortages, uh, with labor shortages, with the regulatory environment heating up. So again, I think it's only a matter of time. So it's just best important. It's just best to understand that things can happen and to stay in front of it and plan accordingly to help uh, reduce the impact and prevent future issues. Well, thanks again, Chris, for joining me today on another episode of Crisis Ahead. Thanks, Edward. Edward, I really appreciate the time. That's it for this edition of Crisis Ahead. My guest today was Chris Harvey, the Senior Vice President of Client Services for Sedgwick. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for, managing, and recovering from a crisis or subscribe to Crisis Ahead wherever you get podcasts. Upcoming shows will focus on topics including how to prepare for any crisis, a crisis management hall of fame and hall of shame, and crisis management lessons to be learned from HBO's popular show, Succession. Remember, it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company, it's when, and the sooner you are prepared for it, the better. Produced by HeartCast Media.